Hey, what's up? Welcome to episode 15 of Movie Dumpster. Today we're talking The Runestone from 1991, directed by Willard Carroll. I'm Joel Escola. I'm Sean O'Rourke. I'm Connor McGraw. Welcome to The Dumpster. Do you have any idea of what you have found? I think I do. The Runestone will promise you many things. It can sense what you want most. Don't listen to anything it tells you. Axtrum, it's a rock. Read my lips, a rock. I'm not in the habit of talking to rocks. That's more your specialty, isn't it? You have always thought the worst of me. Better than you deserve. I am sick of hearing how crazy I am from people like you. Tonight, I will be the least crazy of all of you. So this is probably one of the best movies we watched. Hands down. <laughs> Especially after this recent stream of just really awful shit. Well, Big Boy wasn't that bad, but I think House of the Dead did some damage. It fucked me up, man. Like, <laughs> I'm way into bad movies. And I think we all are. Yeah. Yeah, to a degree. I guess what I'm trying to say is people that think that these are bad movies, they're they're just not as good as maybe like the big budget Hollywood. Yeah, like people that won't even give him a chance is what you're saying. Exactly. Like, this movie has a great story. It's a lot of fun. It, it's just silly-ass monster-on-the-loose shenanigans, but it has a backbone to it. It's not just garbage. And there ain't a lick of fucking titties in this movie, and I'm very happy about that. <laughs> when we talk about Tommy Wiseau on Phantom Zone sometimes, we often talk about the fact that when you make a bad movie with sincerity, like I think Wiseau did... You kind of walk away with a little bit of a win because it becomes this charming little entity. Exactly. Um, and that's I think that's what a lot of these films are. Like they don't have a super big budget. They can't they don't have the advantage of the the big budget Hollywood movies, but they you know, they do what they can and they do it uh with all their heart, you know what I mean? And that's why they they hold up and that's why it's a good time to watch. If a movie is intentionally bad and it's like, hey, guess what? This is a shitty movie. Wink, wink, wink. Ha <laughs> ha, Sharknado 5. Yeah, fuck you, Sharknado. I also think that the reason why this movie works so fucking well is that everyone in the movie is actually, like, pretty realistic. Like, their reactions to things that are happening are immediately like, this is fucking bullshit. There's no way this would happen. And and to me, that was just like, yeah, that's how people probably would really react. Yeah, well, exactly. Like, magic? What are you, crazy? Get the fuck out of here. Except later on, when there's so many people who are willing to just lay down their lives to fight a werewolf. That's too many people. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, well, you do get to a point, there is that fever pitch eventually where, like, even the cop, Fanducci, which best character in the movie oh easily is even like to the chief like hey i know this sounds crazy i've never seen a baby octopus but i know it exists like you gotta trust me on this one i was gonna say this movie reminds me of the keep yeah for weird reasons yeah um i i would i would go with that well we you know we have we have these ancient um beings that are uh, trapped in some kind of tomb that uh that somebody breaks them out of and specifically it's fenrir uh the norse god yes and they kind of play that all into the movie i have never seen a horror movie that leans this hard into norse mythology it does but it doesn't kind of 
like there's sequences where they're like, here you go, here's your here's your fucking Norse mythology, and then like there's just long scores of none of it. I was really surprised by how many. Uh, big B names are in this flick. You know, I kept saying, I was like, I know some of these people, but I can't put my name on any of the things they might have done. Oh, man. Well, all right, we're going to go through it. All right, let's jump into this. So it follows this art collector named Martin Almquist, and he's basically looking for this super rare artifact, this Norse artifact, right? And for a long time, people thought this was in Maine, but they ended up finding it in western Pennsylvania in a fucking coal mine or some shit. Uh, so they, so he extracts this, uh, this, uh, the, uh, the titular runestone and, uh, brings it back to his art gallery in Manhattan. Um, he's joined by his ex-wife Marla and her new husband Sam, and then, uh, he touches this runestone and gets possessed by a, 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 a Norse demon named Fenrir. That's the first 10 minutes of the movie. All of that. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty fucking awesome. The thing, too, is they, they, they kind of, uh, you know, he brings this stone home, this runestone, and uh, they're kind of immediately, like, making a big deal out of this thing possibly is evil or has something going on with it because as soon as it's like brought in the elevator it's almost like the raptor scene in jurassic park oh my god i forgot about this didn't it kill didn't fucking kill those dude in the elevators yeah just like the elevator closes a fucking explosion goes off and it opens and they're both there bloodied um and it's just like oh shit but no one really does anything about it that's the movie kind of really caught my attention i was like okay we're gonna go in this way (laughs) it's like oh well obviously this is cursed although there's definitely a character that makes a joke about it later on which was like what the fuck uh it was funny though because these guys who like are wheeling out this cart. It comes in a U-Haul to, like, this fucking Shape of Water facility underground secret base thing. Uh, that's the guise of this art gallery that the, that Martin owns. And they pull this thing out, and are they, like, scientists or some shit? Are they archaeologists, like, working for him? Well, I think the whole lot of them, like, uh, you know... Martin, Marla, um, Sam, um, even even the old guys. I think they're all in one way, shape, or form archaeologists, and they're all part of like this pact of archaeologists. They're looking for this stone. They're the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, but archaeologists. Well, Hagstrom and them are, are separate from from Sam and Marla and Martin. Oh man, <laughs> I love Hagstrom so much. Well, I'm not saying that they're necessarily do they're trying to do the exact same thing but they're it's also pretty heavily implied that they're also uh hagstrom and the uh, grandfather are also archaeologists of some kind oh for sure well they're they're part of the watchman tm no they're, they're part of the watchman <laughs> <as Hagstrom laughs> would say it's william hickey man fucking uncle lewis andre toulon himself oh my god i love his voice oh it's so good i'll be the least crazy person tonight but to answer your question yeah i think they're all archaeologists no for, well no marla's a, marla's a painter they're all like super archaeologists though like they're like mega artists or something well martin is most certainly an art collector Sam is most definitely an archaeologist, and Marla is a painter. I just read them all as archaeologists, but now that you're saying that and thinking back on the film, you're probably right. I just want to point this out real quick. There is, like, a disgusting amount of sexual tension in this movie throughout literally all of the characters. <laughs> like, everybody wants to fuck everyone, and they're aggravated that they can't because they're with someone else. Martin used to fuck Marla. Now Marla's fucking Sam. <laughs> That that conflict sets the entire movie in motion. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the whole basis for their character. That's their character arc. But then, like, 
Sam kind of wants to fuck Martin's secretary, and Martin's secretary totally wants to fuck Martin, but, like, can't because he's in love with Marla. That was a weird scene. You know what's funny is that plot that plot drops out of the movie until, like, the last ten minutes. Yeah, but when it comes back, it's like, what the fuck? Like, it's heavy in the beginning. So first, we're, we're presumably in Norway, I would assume, um, and we're introduced... Well, we don't know his name yet, but we're introduced to the clockmaker, or... Sigvaldsen. Uh he's played by Alexander Godunov from um Die Hard. Yes, the guy who won't fucking die in Die Hard. Yeah, Carl Winslow's got to take him out at the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh he's dead. He's been dead for a long time. Um I can't believe that he passed away. He he died in 1995. Um and it had to do with uh I have it here, um complications from hepatitis due to chronic alcoholism. Jesus Christ. His acting roles were varied including he was a farmer and witness um and he was in the money pit but he turned down roles which would typecast him as a dancer or a bad guy like die hard and it basically adversely affected his career when i first saw him i thought he was the guy from my father the hero the french guy i for a second i looked over i was like is that christopher lambert (laughs) (laughs) that would have made this movie so much cooler i'm here for the norse mythology the runestone They got Fenrir. They got the Fenrir. <laughs> the saddest thing about all that happening to me, though, he's actually not a bad actor. I mean, he doesn't do a whole lot in this movie, but the few scenes he's in, he's like, okay, I, I believe him. No, and, like, he's scary as shit and die hard. <laughs> he's very intimidating, but, like, now that you're talking about the alcoholism, like, you, he's totally got some wet brain going on in this movie because, yeah, I get it. I get it. He is from Europe and he has a, a heavy accent. There were some lines that he did say where I was like, I'm not even going to bother rewinding because that just didn't flat out sound like English. They were incomprehensible. We'll get to that, <laughs> but it's true. He was very, he was very, um, oh, uh, what's his nuts trying to sell me wine in 300 takes? Um, <laughs> God damn it. Orson Welles. There we go. Ah, friend. <laughs> So Sam and Marla are at a dig in Maine, and Martin finds this uh, finds the runestone in western Pennsylvania, brings it back to Manhattan to his uh, gigantic fucking art facility. It's enormous. You mean this like this this state of the art fucking uh, building made of like all windows or something? There's so much fucking glass. So Martin calls Sam and Marla, and he's like, "Hey guys, I got the runestone. I see you in New York." Bye. And then uh, there's just like a montage of this thing traveling back to New York. Cue the fucking Beetlejuice ripoff music. It's like dun 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 dun. dun. It's like Danny Elfman special. That's I called it. <laughs> I can't believe you said that. I was like, this is like a bargain bin Tim Burton score at some point. Exactly. So they bring the stone back to Manhattan. Marla and Sam are on their way to New York. Meanwhile, you're introduced to, to Uncle Lewis, uh, or excuse me, Uncle Lars in this movie, uh, Hagstrom. Yes. Who uh, is friends with a character I, we get a name of, but it's only mentioned once towards the end of the film. Basically, he's a, they're members of this secret society known as the Watchmen. Um, which have the I, the way I read it as uh, there's this knowledge passed down between them that they know about this runestone and that it's it, it possesses this evil uh, god Fenrir from Norse mythology, but no one believes them because they just you know why would you? And you also uh, find out that he has a grandson 
uh, Jacob in this scene who kind of just his whole life has heard this crap and it's just always like, you know, my grandpa, he's full of stories. It's all bullshit. Like, Uncle Lars, just let him die. He's sick. Like, leave him alone. Jacob is uh, what you'd call a brat for most of the movie. He's such a fucking whiner, this kid. He fucking sucks. He's like, I've been having dreams since I was before I could remember anything and there was this monster in my head and I killed him with an axe even even when he's discovering he's a prophesized hero he won't shut the fuck up no he and he's just like oh i knew this was coming and like yeah i know you were complaining about it fucking three scenes ago <laughs> he's like oh uncle shut up this is stupid magic's dumb i don't get it <laughs> someone's dead oh so martin has his his little rune stone and he and he goes and he touches it right and he starts hearing voices, cra- these crazy voices in his head. I'm sorry, but these voices made me laugh every time I heard them because it just came out like he walks up. It's like <laughs> <laughs> I could have swore one of them said runestone, like oh runestone, <laughs> oh runestone, touch it, go ahead. So uh, so Marla and Sam finally meet up with um, with Martin, and they come in, and Martin's basically basically wants Sam. Now Sam is. A really good archaeologist. So he basically wants Sam to uh, decipher the runes on the runestone, um, <clears throat> the characters on it, to figure out what power lies inside it or what what significance of it. Because he needs to price it because he's trying to sell it uh, in the art market. So they go they go there and there again the sexual tension I'm talking about like yeah it's like he invites them there to watch them make out from across the room and just scowl in the shadows yeah like Marla <laughs> is like rubbing on fucking Martin she's like oh you're wearing the shirt I bought you. You're so handsome and sexy. I missed you. <laughs> that she killed me because then Sam comes up looking all jealous and is like nice shirt. And I'm just thinking, you not only did you insult fucking Martin, but you just insulted your wife without knowing it. But they are fucking touchy-feely, like, uncomfortable. Like, Martin and Marla. And Sam's just like, that's my fucking wife, man. And, like, you just you just can't keep your fucking hands off her. So then Martin has this art gallery where he has... This is a weird fucking art show, let me tell you. I mean, I don't know if this is how it was in 1995. Oh, yeah, I would say, this, um, this, this movie has a very weird opinion on the art community in general it's kind of making fun of them the whole time yeah i I, it kind of like takes that stereotype of people that like high art and they just like fucking pound it into the dirt dude it is a bunch of pretentious rich fucks in a fucking shitty art gallery there's this dude with there's like this bald guy with this fucking red earring going around and he's like hey how you like my art show and it's just painted walls and people get sledgehammers and they break them and that's the art show it's the fucking berlin wall for god's sakes and you got these rich white people knocking it down with a fucking sledgehammer Paying good money to do this. A thousand dollars a head to go fucking smash this faux Berlin Wall in this fucking shitty uh, New York flat. This movie has a werewolf, and the sharpest thing about it is how it's how it feels in the fucking modern art community. It's it's so mean to them. You kind of have this little peppering of of things that are getting to Martin to kind of I guess imply why he's going over the edge to uh, agree to whatever this thing inside the runestone is promising him, like. 
you know, he's upset about his ex-wife coming to visit. You know, he's upset that this guy's basically shitting on his art show. Uh, you know, he's uh, he's upset that the other guys on the board uh, are basically taking credit for his discovery. Like, yeah, this fell into our hands and all that kind of stuff. The corporate backtalk. Right. This is where we switch to our uh, ulterior motives. Yeah, and I guess he just can't handle it. It's just it's too overwhelming for him, and he cracks. He he goes full Tom Arnold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he leaves this this shitty art gallery, and he's and uh, William Hickey's there. Hagstrom, he like he chases him, and he's like he's like, wait, Martin, you got the runestone. I've been telling you about this for years, and you didn't fucking listen. The runestone's very dangerous. There's a fucking demon in it, you dumb bastard. It'll unleash a fucking werewolf with eleven inch long fingers. That is fucking <laughs> painful, by the way. And he's like, fuck you, old man. Like, I don't believe that shit. I'm not going to talk to this stone. It's hard cut. And the next thing he's like, he's looking at the stone and he goes, what What do you want from me? He's like fucking Janos <laughs> with the Vigo paint. He is. <laughs> Command me, Lord. He doesn't fuck around. Except there wasn't, a, there, there wasn't like a eternity long shot of the painting shooting lasers into his face. No, but that's basically what this is. He's like, give, give me Dana and you take the child. Uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> I won't talk to that thing no matter what. Hi. Hey, uh, so what do you want? You want to, you want to fucking make a deal or what? Tell you what, give me my ex-wife back and I, and you, and I'll bring you back and I'll, I'll invoke Ragnarok. I don't know what that is, but it sounds trendy. Let me do it. <laughs> yeah. So that's basically what that is. Um, so Fenrir is the bringer of Ragnarok in Norse mythology, apparently. So in, in North mythology, he usually is shown as a wolf. Um, you know, it's... You know, I watch the show Vikings. He comes up in that occasionally. It's a pretty common uh, interpretation of him. Side note, Norse mythology is rad as shit. It's so cool. <laughs> He's also a Death Eater in Harry Potter. Oh, he is. Holy shit. Fenrir Greyback. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He's the one who eats Lavender Brown in that quick throwaway scene that you can blink and miss. <laughs> yeah, he's like, hi, I'm a werewolf. Bye. Hi, she's dead. Oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> you went through the cabinet, you fuck. <laughs> so, yeah, now, after after this, he goes back and touches the runestone and, and gets possessed by Fenrir. And then Marla and Sam come, and they have that whole weird exchange. Yeah, and there's... there's also a weird unnecessary bit where they walk into this fucking building that martin lives in and a fucking clown with balloons is walking in in front of him and it's never mentioned again no and it's not even the fucking art gallery either it's just some clown where's he going he's got a birthday party to go to in the fucking giant art building excuse me i'm way behind schedule where's the freaking party kids so so they come in and they do that that whole spiel where there's the sexual tension and things and um sam's like yeah these 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 fucking runes they i don't know what they say i don't know what they say yet i need i need another opinion uh we should go to hagstrom and martin's like hagstrom's a stupid old asshole and sam's like yeah well he might be stupid but i'll i'll uh i'll sort out what's real and what's fake so then they're like great let's go so then they're all gonna leave i guess for whatever reason because they're going to bed or not going to bed as <laughs> sam uh, so uh slightly implies which, which sets fucking martin off more and, and like when they leave, his whole excuse to go back in the office is that he forgot, quote-unquote, his keys. But the scene before that, he clearly is seen taking them out of his pocket and purposely dropping them on his desk. Yeah, I think he purposely leaves them there to have 
more alone time with the stone. But why would you do that? Like, it's your fucking place. Why, why don't you just tell them to leave and then be intimate with your runestone? Like, I don't get it. <laughs> Is he like the guy that fucked his car? Yeah, <laughs> yeah basically. Put the banana in the tailpipe. <laughs> you two go. Me and the stone need some quiet time. Which, which is a real shame for this fucking custodian and uh, security guard that he had to go back in there. Holy shit. You mean, uh, you mean dollar store Kane Hodder? Yeah, oh my god, he does. Like, he's like the fucking seventh member of the Doobie Brothers. <laughs> yeah, and Martin comes back in and he's like, Oh, you forgot your keys? That's the first sign of all day. Soon you're going to forget to zip up the barnyard door. <laughs> and then he steps like two feet and fucking zips his pants up. Like, this guy has trouble taking a piss. Like, he forgets to zip his pants up. I'm getting old. Martin goes back and starts, like, kind of seductively gazing at the stone again. Then kind of has an... you haven't He has an off-screen transformation, basically. You can hear the sounds. Yeah, there's a lot of off-screen things that happen in this movie, and then the next cut, it just happens. No, the, the transition is the security guard getting a call from the fucking custodian's family. It's like, ah, you're gonna be a grandfather! And then he's unceremoniously killed in, in the next, off-screen. He turns to the fucking camera, and he's like, you're gonna be a grandpa! And he's like, I'm a grandpa! He's like, oh, I knew it was for Tim drugs would work low growling from the background huh what's that oh, i'm gonna go investigate oops fucking dead it reminded me of the scene in fucking terminator 2 when the guy's getting his coffee and he's just standing there like a moron and then the fucking uh terminator comes in and takes him out oh the dude who gets in the eye from t1000 yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah that asshole oh uh, fun fact those guys are actually twins and they're in gremlins too oh shit this whole sequence reminded me of the creep show segment with the box. Yes, the crate. That A lot of this reminds me of the crate. Um, I think it's because of the long hallways and, like, the... Uh, the very deliberate red lighting. Yeah, the Dutch angles and all that kind of shit, like, down the long hallways as people walking. It was very, uh, like, abstracty and comic booky for a minute. I was like, this is very, very interesting. It feels good, though. I like it. Yeah. You know, I mentioned this a little earlier, but I like in this movie that people do realistic things in these situations. Like, the security guard, when he doesn't get a response from the custodian, immediately calls the fucking police yes in most horror movies he would just get up from his desk and be killed and never heard from again but like i don't know it's a weird detail that makes it better so so he calls the cops and then runs down the runs down the hallway and finds the janitor fucking dead um and he isn't he missing his fucking arms uh i think they're ripped off yeah i know he's got a big gash in his chest yeah the cops do say that they still haven't found one of them when they finally do arrive that's right that was one of my favorite lines of the movie <laughs> so the security guard goes in and he's looking around and he hears the fucking monster like in the janitor closet and it bursts out and he grabs it by the throat and this fucking guy unloads point blank his entire revolver into its chest and then it rips his fucking throat open he had a lot of shots that revolver felt like no there was about six was it it felt like nine or ten no. <laughs> Either way, it didn't do shit to this thing. No, it didn't do a damn thing. Which is a problem for me, but we'll get to that. So bullets don't harm this thing, especially right now, point blank. And as this Fenrir creature, each day that goes by, he su- supposedly gets stronger. Now we're introduced to Fanducci. The best character in the film. I just need to reiterate that. The best character in the movie. This is the fucking guy. This is the cop from The Mask. Holy shit, it is. Oh, yeah. He's in a bunch of shit. He plays a cop in a lot of movies. So Marla and Sam are there, and they're like, oh my god, people are dead. Where's Martin? Uh, so Fanducci walks in, and the first thing out of his mouth is... He goes, ah, ain't nobody take some fucking initiative? Put the lights on. Yeah, he's like, somebody flipped the fucking circuit breaker. It's like a fucking tomb in here. <laughs> 
And I was laughing my ass off. And that's when I fell in love. He's made of quips. Because that's really all he communicates with. But he's got the best dialogue in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's like a, he, he's like that fast-talking cop stereotype, but he plays it perfectly. Except when it comes to taking a road trip to Pennsylvania. <laughs> <laughs> so so he gets there and he's like hey what happened and they're like uh we don't know like our you know our friend was here and now he's not martin he's not here and there's two dead bodies marla's like ah oh, what you think he did it you think martin did it he's like no but i want to ask him some fucking questions he would have been the last one to see these guys alive she's like oh okay yeah yeah that makes sense you're a very smart man so then the chief walks in good old joe cabot from fucking reservoir dogs yeah lawrence tierney okay i thought i recognized him too but just here he seemed um uh, hmm. I can't tell if he looked younger or older than the last time I saw him, honestly. He looks exactly the fucking same. <laughs> He's got one of those faces. You know what's weird is this movie came out in 91 and Reservoir Dogs was 92, wasn't it? Uh, that's a good question. He looks the same either way. Good looking man. He's like Richard Gere. Hasn't aged a day since he got old. So the chief walks in. I think his name's Richardson. And he's like, ah, you know, what's with the blood? And and I forget who says this. I think it's uh, Sam. He's like, oh, it's staunched over there. And he's like, staunched, huh? Big word. That's a fancy word. Yeah, well, you got you and your big fancy words you got there. Oh, so Fanducci, he keeps saying fuck every other word out of his mouth. And Marla's like, ah, can you please, uh, you know, not every other word out of your mouth. He's like, uh, okay, I'll, I'll try. Then he goes, hey, would you guys like a piece of candy? It's Pez. And they're like, oh, uh, no, I'm good. And he's like, Pez. Best fucking candy in the world. <laughs> Usually I would hate little, like, character traits like this because I just typically feel shoehorned in. Eh, but I was kind of okay with this. It was only brought up a few times. I have a Batman Pez dispenser on my dresser unopened from, like, six years ago. What are you doing, Connor? Open that right now in the spirit of Fanducci. <laughs> Eat that candy in memorandum, all right? Absolutely not. <laughs> As long as it's strawberry, that's his favorite. We didn't. I didn't mention this earlier, but uh, where Jacob's grandfather lives, it's like on inside this fucking old movie theater. Um, yes. So it cuts to the next scene where awesome. By the way, mm-hmm. yeah, it kind of made me think of the the, uh, the old movie theater in Last Action Hero. Very similar layout to that. Absolutely, absolutely. And there's this giant mural on the wall. Someone just let me live in a movie theater. It'd be fucking awesome. Buy one. <laughs> okay, I'll get right on that. <laughs> I'll come live there with you, and we'll watch movies <laughs> and eat pizza. Hagstrom's at the theater again. And you see the grandfather being carted out in an ambulance. I thought he was fucking dead at this point, but he's, like, hanging on for dear life. And Jacob is just like, hey, uh, Lars, just fucking leave us alone. Uh, you know, I don't want to hear your crazy stories anymore. And that's that. Hagstrom's like, I'll box your ears. <laughs> I'm a million and a half years old. We get the fucking scene where Martin just shows up randomly dressed like Mr. X at fucking Marla's apartment. (laughs) Yes. He's got this green trench coat and he looks like, they even say this in the movie, he looks like he's on a two-week bender. He looks fucked up. He's like, hi, I've come from my painting. And she's like, what? the fucking painting she keeps on the wall from when they broke up two years ago. What the fuck? If I was him, I'd be like, can you please sell that or take it down? Or for God's sake, like, give it to him? Like, get the fuck out of my house, please. First he walks in, she's like, what are you doing here? He's like, I... Doesn't say anything. Looks around the room. He's like, I've come to collect myself. My painting. Actually, as if he he forgot what words were. He's like, I've come to... Hmm, damn it. Well, now he's Fenrir. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's, at this point, like, Fenrir has taken him over, but it's not quite totally taken over, I guess, is the implication there. Like, he still has a little bit of himself in there, so it's, like, kind of combating. Or maybe I'm reading too much into it, I don't know. Yeah, he's got, like, Janos' flashlight eyes at first. <laughs> he's not He's not, He's not. not full-on, like, 
weirdo with the baby carriage flying to the window yet? Yeah, he's on his way, though. I'm here for my painting, and I'm here for you, sweet ass. And he fucking grabs her, and Sam's like, hey, what the fuck? He comes out in his fucking underwear and socks. I love this sequence, because he's like, he's like, Marty, what are you doing? Marty grabs me and goes, Marty's doing this, and throws him against the wall. He fucking throws him into the fucking table, like a glass table. <laughs> it was awesome. So Sam, like, picks up a piece of the thing, and he's like, you motherfucker. And he goes after him. And Martin picks him up and literally like stabs him with the own with with the piece of like uh, table shrapnel that he was going after him with. I thought this motherfucker was dead. I, so did I. I was like, uh oh, that's the end of Sam. But he's okay. He's fine. <laughs> well, thank God he didn't pick up that fucking snow globe to attack Martin with instead, because he would have been fucking brained. So Sam's like passed out from the stab wound, like against the wall, and Martin like takes Marla over to the couch. It looks like he's about to do some seriously horrible shit to her. Yeah, I thought that's what was coming. And has a change of mind. He's like, I have a hell reserved for you and me, and I'm going to take you there soon. And then he leaves. Well, it's like he starts to unbuckle his pants, and then, like, something in his brain goes off, and he, and he, like you just said, he leaves randomly. I guess, I, I don't know what scared him off. I, ha- I don't think he's gone full Fenrir yet. You know, he gains control of himself, if you will, again, and then just leaves. So then uh, so then Marla and Sam are at the hospital, and Sam's getting patched up, and Fonducci's there again, and he's like, what the fuck happened? And he's like, it was Martin. He came in, he stabbed me with this fucking thing. And she's like, she's like, I think Martin killed those people. And he's like, I don't think so, sweetheart. He's walking around with six fucking bullets in him? I don't think so. Which is a fair assessment. And he also says, you know... Oh, that guy had claw marks all over him, like the, the security guard and the custodian that were killed. So it's got to be like a bear or a wild animal. I mean, I still find the idea of anyone suggesting it might have been a bear in like an art studio to be completely preposterous. And I would believe that less than I believe a werewolf showed up. We're in Manhattan. Where is this bear coming from? The zoo? <laughs> the bear hid in trench coats all day until night when he could strike. He's a fucking shut. He came out of the sewers. Right? That's what I would... That's what, Hey, that's where I would go immediately. Coming out of the fucking sewer grate. Yeah. Just sitting there with a fucking newspaper over its face like, Good evening, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Pleasure to eat you. So Marla is going to go try to find Hagstrom because... Her and Sam both agree that the cops, if they go to talk to him, he's not going to say shit. But if one of them goes, uh, he'll at least give them uh, some information, possibly. Right. She has to go in earnest, though. Like, he, she needs to, for whatever he's going to tell her, he need, she needs him to be honest with him. Because if he goes to the cop, if he tries to go to the cops and talk to him about that, I mean, they're going to put him in a fucking rubber room. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So she goes to this apartment complex, and she's riding this elevator, and she makes this Rosemary's Baby joke to the fucking elevator. Oh, God, it was so bad. Like, it's even bad for the movie. And he's like, what? Who's Rosemary? I don't know who that is. No babies. There's no Rosemary here. And by the way, don't let Hagstrom have a fucking baby or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I... You know what? I I was already thought that the first joke was bad, but the, like the fucking punchline on top of it was like, come on, movie! Like, what are you doing? But it comes so much later. I'm like, this is a dud. I was like, oh, I just realized now that that was actually the extended part of the joke. I was like, That's, now it's even fucking worse. Well, I wonder <laughs> if that guy that that was running the elevator, that old man. I wonder if he was like in the movie for a reason, or if he's some actor that I don't know, and that that's why that was in there. But if not, I don't fucking know what the point of that was. It should have been droopy. What floors here? <laughs> no babies in this building, okay? <laughs> no babies in this building, sir. Oh my god, I want, I want this movie now. <laughs> Who framed Fenrir? Greyback? 
So Marla goes to uh, Hagstrom's apartment and she she knocks on the door and his she's greeted by his German shepherd named Darjeeling. So he's like, hey, so you come to learn about the North gods, huh? She's like, yeah, let me in. I talked to you on the phone. He's like, okay, come on in. Let me tell you about Ragnarok. P.S. I want this guy's fucking apartment. Like, this is me when I'm old. It's just full of old fucking grimoires and tomes of... Oh, no, oh, no. Oh, trust me. I've got a bit for the end of this episode about how you select movies, so sit tight. Don't worry. I've got this base covered. <laughs> I'm in a decrepit Victorian-esque apartment cu- surrounded by garbage. You're like the protagonist of The Raven just sitting there in a fucking... Uh, just sh- shelves and shelves of DVDs. And lamenting forever. <laughs> <laughs> he, t- he tells Marla, oh, I gotta put my dog in his kennel. And he just fucking ties him to the roof. Like, okay, sure. Unless he's got some kind of nice little pen for it up there that's, you know, got a nice little pillow and it's, you know, it's got a roof on it and shit. I don't think that's the case, but okay. So Hagstrom basically tells Marla the breakdown of what the runestone is. Kind of, well, he kind of, he's kind of vague about the runestone exactly about what it is, but he does mention Ragnarok and the end of civilization. But he makes it a point to tell her that he's one of the last of the Watchmen. Um, and it's a, he shows them like, he shows them like an old class photo <laughs> of them all. Except there's no giant, uh, blue dick man. There's no blue penis swinging at all in that photo. But Tony Stark's dad is there. <laughs> Jack Nicholson's in the background smiling. <laughs> I'm not sure how that got in there, but it's there. Who watches the Watchmen who watch the runestone? <laughs> So they're basically, they're basically, you know, I, Sean mentioned this before, but there, you know, there's this lineage that has been passed and you know, this information that has been passed down to essentially keep people from touching this thing, like, because they will set about Ragnarok, um, and release Fenrir. Hagstrom even says, he's like, ah, why do you think the Norsemen came to America? Like they didn't come here to discover it. They came here to get rid of something. Yeah. This is the same thing with like Rumpelstiltskin. Like this shit happens in Europe and somehow you know, that was L.A., and now this is in Pennsylvania. Like, you can buy their explanation in this a little more, because Rumpelstiltskin, he's just thrown in the fucking ocean and then seen later, hundreds of years later. At least this, they're like, well, you know, the you know the land deviates and blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, still kind of hokey, but sure. Yeah, they mentioned, like, tectonic shifts and, like, you know, the whatnot. Right, well, they're implying that the Vikings had come over and buried this fucking thing in Pennsylvania. And then the tectonic shift is what moved the runestone to a more advantageous place for them to dig it out. And I do like the explanation of, like, if you want to get rid of something, you you take it as far away as you can, and you fucking dump it there. And you bury it where no one should find it. It's pretty smart. <laughs> I mean, if I was the fucking, the old Norse and this shit was going on, I would have done the same damn thing. I had dropped this shit into a fucking volcano. Are you kidding me? Well, no, they can't because it's actually contained within it. Like, if they did, if they destroy it, like, all those runes on the runestone are are keeping Fenrir inside. Then I would have dumped it in Labria tar pits, but I wouldn't know what those were because I was a Viking. And I mean, Connor, honestly, so you drop it in a volcano, it, you know it's going to survive. If Kazuya can survive, anything can survive. God damn it. I mean, we talk about a lot of volcanoes in, on this show. I don't know if you noticed that. If you play Tekken 7, because that happens to every member of his family. So, Hagstrom's like, I'll be right back. I gotta do something. And he goes up on the roof. Well, it should be noted that he's like, I'll be right back. By the way, I'll probably be dead later, so... 
Don't bother don't bother calling me or anything. I'm the last of the watchmen. Bye. Well, while he's saying this, like telling her basically he's going to be dead so for lose his number, you hear his fucking dog getting murdered on the roof and she just like doesn't react at all. And then he gets uh, then he gets claw marked and shoved down a flight of stairs. This monster has the ability to I guess it's just a budgetary constraint, but like this monster has the ability to rip people limb from limb and his like his go-to move is to take one finger and go ah. He like loves to scratch people's faces with one finger. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I'm kind of into it because it's like yeah it's probably a combination of a budgetary constraint and then just kind of drag out as long as possible that you don't see its full figure so hagstrom falls down the fucking stairs he's dead and this thing starts chasing after marla and now marla is running throughout this apartment complex and she runs out the front door and literally goes full lewis tully and like runs across the street and the fucking thing comes out (laughs) i mean it's in new york and and she's running through central park it's it's kind of hard not to make that comparison a bear in his apartment So she runs into Central Park under this fucking bridge, and I'm waiting for fucking Alex and the Droogies to show up. But instead, like, these two assholes come up, and they, like, grab her, and they're like, yeah, waiting for fucking Frisco, man. And we, Where's Frisco? We're gonna fucking rape this girl. Where's, where's Frisco? Is Frisco the homeless guy with the paper bag on his head? The Pope? <laughs> I have to say something about that dude. Like, she ran to a couple bodies on the way out of the, uh, the, the, the building, right? Yeah, there was a cop they sent with her for quote-unquote protection whose just fucking throat is ripped out. I thought the homeless guy she ran into was, like, a body that he had, like, that Fenrir had also strung up somewhere, and he was just making this, like, live-action, like, spooky house of horrors that she could just run into. <laughs> he's chasing Voorhees now. <laughs> he, he's planning it. He's like, yeah, I'll put this one here, and I'll get, put this guy by the tree. Here he comes. He's gonna swing out of the tree like fucking Predator. I mean, but to be fair, by the end of this movie, this thing is pretty uh, aware of its surroundings, you realize. But early in the film, it's kind of like, I just thought he was, like, a brainless, uh, you know, killing machine, but later he's like, opening doors he has a fucking shotgun at one point he has a sense of humor later and we'll get to that (laughs) (laughs) he's smart is what i'm trying to say he's a lot smarter than most movie monsters yeah so he goes out under the thing and the guy's like hey wait there he is there's frisco but it's the fucking monster and he's like yeah finally frisco's here it's been like a matter of seconds and uh he rips these fucking assholes limb from limb and she gets away and then i Pretty, pretty sure it's like a hard cut back to the police station and she's hanging out with Fonducci and they're in the, ch- the chief's office and she's like describing the monster to him and he's like oh, what, are, what are you trying to tell me it's a fucking werewolf or something you, what, 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 what you trying to tell me that there's some kind of fucking monster running around New York no it's a guy in a fucking dog suit with rakes on his fingers scratching up people or whatever yeah he's like it's a serial killer rakes rakes on his face. Yeah, it's Edward fucking scissor hands. Yeah, you know how long and hard it is to smack somebody with a rake to really do that kind of damage? <laughs> well, they're sharpened, okay? Just hold still. I'm gonna take a little while to do some damage, but you gotta work with me here. Well, no, Connor. It was a dog and some guy was on PCP and the dog taught him to kill people with the rakes. <laughs> I must have missed that one. Hey, Joe Cabot speaks and you better fucking listen. You better pay that tip. I must have gone to piss. Everybody, cough up a buck. So after that scene, it kind of cuts to just all the the, the main characters, Van Ducci, Marla, Sam, uh, going about their day. And Sam and Marla go home, and they they fuck, and Sam takes off his billiards fucking underwear. You beat me to the billiard underwear. Is this her double nightmare? Because I laugh my ass off. No, not quite. This is a sex fuck kill montage. Yeah, yeah, you're right. They're, like, fucking, and, like, the monster's killing people and like Fonducci's like finding shit at crime scenes and we just keep doing this and that god awful fucking scene at the end of this montage where there's like the moon and then you see the monster's fucking like extended fingers like 
crawl past it, and then right after that, Marla... I was waiting for E.T. to show up. Yeah, that's what it looked like, the fucking Amblin logo. <laughs> and then, like, Marla, like, puts her head up, like, in ecstasy. She's like, I'm getting fucked in front of the moon. And then it ends. I'm like, who the fuck made that decision? Well, meanwhile, while they're showing the monster in this montage fucking tear this body to pieces, this poor raccoon is staring on in horror. Yes! He's going full raw head Rex, and, like, the fucking raccoon's just like, that's disgusting. <laughs> this raccoon's like, I hope one of them drops garbage. And, and I think it's also in this montage, it's, it's been referenced earlier in the film, but Jacob uh, has these nightmares, and uh, it kind of shows him waking up from one after this. I guess the implication there is he saw the monster doing all this shit. Yeah, he also was dreaming about Marla and Sam having sex. Awkward. Hey, man, more power to him. My dreams are B-level horror movies. Every time it cuts to clocks, it's, boy, is it cut to clocks all right. This is fucking tick, 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 tick everywhere. I'm not entirely sure what this all symbolizes. Well, you know, spoilers, apparently the clock guy is the one Norse god tier. That can destroy, uh, or if not destroy, but can stop Fenrir. But it's kind of vague up until like the last 20 minutes in the movie, like what the point of these scenes are. Yeah, but like he's he has a clock, he has a sundial as well that is directly linked to Fenrir. I guess was that like that battle that where he, yeah, you know what? Now that you're saying that, when uh, Fenrir is essentially possesses Martin, the one clock stops at midnight the big grandfather clock yeah so i think the implication is he has all these clocks and you know again i'm just i'm inferring but uh that um these clocks are moving as long as everything's normal and as soon as one of them stops it's like oh fuck we need to do something about this i think i think i'm not totally sure about that i think i just cracked the code they're all on different time zones and whenever one of them stops that's the time zone he's in oh Maybe, yeah, that might not be a bad idea. So that's why basically he had every clock ticking, so he's waiting for one to stop? You think so? So he knows that he's in New York. Eastern Standard Time. Gotta go. So the clockmaker, he's kind of like looking at all his clocks, uh, I guess trying to pinpoint what's going on, and he has a premonition. He sees like uh, the the claws of Fenrir kind of come at him. And yeah, he sees, the, he sees the spooky claws. Yeah, yeah. And he kind of jumps back like, oh, fuck. And then I guess he puts two and two together in his head. And then it kind of does, uh, it goes back to the, the, the main characters. And uh, yeah, he's like, oh, my God, rear projection. Ah! You have Sam and Marla. They actually go to visit the old guy. I, I, I don't know if he ever gets a name, but it's the grandfather. I'll just call him Jacob's grandfather. They go there to ask him questions because Hagstrom's been killed. And Jacob is there and he's like, you know, kind of repeating what he said multiple times in the movie already, like, my grandpa's old, those stories are crazy, blah, blah, blah. And then Sam's just, like, immediately, like, okay, this guy's not going to give us the time of day, and he leaves. But Marla, he, he, he kind of hangs back, and he's like, why why do you want to know these questions? You know, my grandpa said this his whole life, and everyone thought he was crazy. Why are you so interested in this? And she's like, you know, I've experienced things the last couple days that I could never experience, could never explain in the past, but they're real. And then he turns around and she's gone. She Batman's. Yeah, she totally does. Which is funny because she she actually the the chick who plays Marla plays in these movies called the Black Scorpion, uh, and she's essentially fucking Batman. What? Yeah, she's like a seductress Batman. Like, full leather get-up and all. I'll have to look this up for Phantom Zone. There's one end to... Oh my god, yes. I'm pretty sure there was a sci-fi original series at one point, but I could be misremembering that. Uh, I'm thinking of Mantis for some reason, but I don't know why. Oh god, fucking Mantis. <laughs> so then Sam and Marla, from there, they go see Toodles from Hook. <laughs> 
And he's uh, what are they there at a, a, a some kind of archive or something? Yeah, he's like, come and come and see the little archive I have. We keep our very rare religious paintings in here. We got pictures of Mary. And <laughs> he's like, look at this. And he's like, see, you know who this is? And uh, Jacob's like, that's Thor. And he's like, correct. I'm glad I had Jacob there because I couldn't make out any one of these fucking paintings. No. And then I was like, wait, Thor painted these? And and then I was like, wait, no. Thor is in the painting. <laughs> and then uh, he's like, this is Fenrir, the the crazy wolf man, the reject from Big Trouble in Little China that's been chasing you around. And then he pulls out the last one. He's like, this is Tyr. He got his hand cut off by Fenrir in a great battle, and then he put him in the runestone. And the chick is like, yeah, man, I know all that. And he's like, oh, he knows a lot. This is great. Well, see you later. And then they just leave. <laughs> Bye-bye. Yeah, it's it's an important scene, but it's just not really like the flow of time here is a little strange. Like, I don't know if this is all supposed to be in the same building. Because they, sh- they, they show up to get a lore dump and they just turn around and leave. That's exactly what happens. It's literally, that's what ha- they go down, they open the vault, and that's it. And then they leave. Like, I'm wondering, is it is the implication that wherever the grandfather was brought is either really close to where this museum is or it's in the basement of the hospital or it's at his house and he's back from the hospital? Like, it, that part of it is a little unclear. I mean, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day, but it, if anything, it's just a little confusing. It was like finding an audio diary in a video game. Like, the plot's still moving, but we're going to stop and listen to this story real quick. So then we go back to the police station, and now uh, Marla and Sam are talking to Fonducci again, and he's like, hey, you know what? Maybe you should go out to fucking Pennsylvania again, because uh, I had there's a tectonic shift to some shit, and there's another chamber where the fucking rock was. And the guy's like, are you serious? Oh my god, you're right. And then Marla's like, are you just trying to get us out of town? And he's like, yeah. Bye. <laughs> Get out of here. They go to Pennsylvania in one cut. Like <laughs> they fucking yeah. they walk out the door and then it cuts to like some homeless guys and then it cuts to them in Pennsylvania back at the fucking mine. Uh so they're in this mine and what had happened was it the runestone was in this one chamber for like thousands of years. And then there was a tectonic shift, like we mentioned earlier, and then the rune stone dropped into a different cavern, and that's how they found it in the coal mine. So Sam climbs into this little uh, uh, crawl space cavern, and he cl- and he climbs in there. He's taking Polaroids of this, uh, I guess, rune-type seal um, that had sealed this room off for, for all those years. Um, and he sees, like, Fenrir, the name Fenrir is on the fucking seals and all that shit. And every time he takes a photo, it cuts back to the monster, basically, like, getting freaked out by this. He has some kind of connection to the... We've now seen in its full glory, and I gotta say, it's a little goofy in the face. Dude, it looks like a fucking reject from uh, Big Trouble in Little China. It Like, the Beast Man, but, like, shitty? I don't know, I, I, I was kind of into it. I thought it looked kind of cool, actually. I, w- I would be curious, and I didn't look this up, but I-, I do wonder if they based the look of this on any like old paintings or any old descriptions of what the Norse people thought this thing looked like. I mean, I- I- that's what I'm saying. I don't know. I didn't look into it, but it would be kind of cool to see if uh, if they did. That's all. But he doesn't look like a wolfman either, but I guess he's kind of supposed to be, right? Yeah, I, I-, I guess. I mean, he's, I don't know. He's a fucking monster at the end of the day. Bro, they fucking copped that look from Big Trouble in Little China, and they were like, oh, well, it can't look exactly like it, but here you go. <laughs> Sam's taking these pictures, and the monster's freaking out, and then, meanwhile, another art show's going on with that smarmy guy from earlier in the film. This fucking art show. And then, like, just, just jokes. Just rapid-fire jokes. But not, like, good jokes. Like, they're... 
They're fucking uh, crash and burn attempted zinger jokes. And then, like, they're looking through these picture frames that are glass, and then they lead into it. They're, they're basically living art pieces. Yeah, they li- they look into another room, and it's like a woman ironing clothes. Like, just the most pretentious shit. That's why I said this movie has a very puzzling opinion on people who like modern art. It outright insults them. Yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. There's a fucking TV in one in the background in one of these fucking uh, frames, like in these rooms, and fucking Godzilla vs. Megalon's playing in the background. That is, it is. I noticed that immediately. So there's this one rich dude, and he's standing there, uh, and he's and he's looking at this this woman like ironing clothes, and then one of the fucking servers like hears a noise. Now we're in this giant room of people like bustling around, and this one busboy like hears a noise in the back. And he, like, walks into the back and gets fucking 86 by the monster. Well, he doesn't hear a noise. He's, like, taking a leak and he comes out of the fucking bathroom and he gets killed. Oh, is that what it was? I thought he just walked back there. (laughs) No, he's definitely going to the bathroom. I found his scream to be very amusing, though, for some reason. Because, like, he just... So the monster kills this dude and then, like, walks into one of the exhibits. the, the, The one where the woman is ironing clothes. And, uh... This rich dude is looking at it, he's like, he's like, huh, that's pretty fucking fabulous. I don't know what it means, but I like it. And this fucking monster's just killing this woman. He's like, wow, that looks fucking real. And then uh, he, the monster busts out and just fucking starts tearing these assholes apart. He takes that guy who was like critiquing and like literally like throws him like a fucking football across the room. <laughs> he tosses him across the room. And then um, I think he kills that smarmy guy. He kills like pretty much most of the people in the in the exhibit on and off screen there's like one chick he lit he leaves alive well you know who that is right no that was his secretary yeah exactly that's the secretary her other scene in the movie wait i thought that woman was in white though well okay yeah yeah, yeah. we're talking about two different things there is one oh, woman sorry. that that survives who gets like clawed in the face yeah and is like shell-shocked there's another woman dressed in all black that's uh martin's secretary from early in the film yes 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 basically he goes the monster goes to kill her and Martin kind of snaps out of it for a second when he realizes who it is and runs away. He runs onto the roof, and um, and the cops show up and Fonducci's there and he's like, he's like, ah, oh, where's the fucking monster? What happened? And he's like, I gotta go up on the roof now. Uh, so he chases this monster and he fuck like this guy jumps across a fucking rooftop not once but twice. <laughs> he jumps across the rooftop. Goes to look for the monster. The monster shows up and chases him down like the stairwell. Oh, this scene's fucking awesome. Well, like, well, he opens he opens a door and the monster's like standing in front of him like Frankenstein's monster, and he fucking he's like whoa when he runs backwards and shoots the lock off and starts booking it. But he shoots the shit out of this monster and then runs up the runs up the uh, the stairwell again, and then he jumps back over the fucking rooftop to get away from it, and it's like right behind him. Uh, and then he like drops his gun and, uh, he's like walking through this, this is a pretty cool scene. Cause he's like, he's like walking through this fog on the rooftop and the monster's like looming in the fog and you don't know what's going to happen. But this is now, this is where we get to some weird ass cuts because Fonducci's standing right next to the edge of the building and you see him look down and the monster comes up and like touches his fucking face. Like he, he puts his fucking pumpkin head finger on his fucking face and like scratches it. Yeah. That's what I said. His go-to move is to take his one finger and just poke you. Yeah. And then like, it cuts, and I'm like, oh, shit, Fonducci's dead. He's going to fall off this building and fall right into this car. I was so fucking concerned for this guy in this scene. I was, like, I was actually, like, getting, like, upset that he was going to possibly die. Yeah, because he's, like, the best character in the movie. So I was like, all right, well, I guess this is his demise, right? So the, 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 the survivor chick is down there with the ambulance, and I'm thinking he's going to come crashing down. And then it cuts again, 
and there's like a, a a guttural sound like he like kills Fonducci, but he doesn't. And then it cuts again, and Fonducci's hanging off this sign on the side of the building. And I'm like, when the fuck did he fall off? And then the monster walks away, and then Fonducci just kind of falls down the building, like rush hour when they fucking it's a go really down. Bizarrely edited sequence. Yeah, it's just really poorly put together. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? Like, and it goes on for fucking ever. And then it wraps up with like maybe a joke. But there's there's no joke. He falls down the building and he's standing there and he says something like, uh, "Ah, it's been a hell of a day." Not even the girl, like the, the one survivor from the art gallery, is standing there. She just goes, "What? What?" And he's like, "Eh." And then it cuts. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, "Yeah, exactly. See ya." Yeah, that's exactly what he says. He's like, "Exactly." I'm like, "Hold on, did you just give us a punchline but not give us the joke?" It's like there was a scene missing there or some shit. Like they forgot to film it or it got ruined or something. Then clockmaker, the clockmaker, and uh. That little boy fucking head off. Or I thought the little boy did, but I guess he didn't. I guess he finally figures out where uh, Fenrir is, and he just kind of, like, walks out the fucking Beetlejuice door and and into the mist. Yeah, what the fuck? Is this guy in an alternate dimension, or is he in Norway? (laughs) I think he's in an alternate dimension. I think he's in the fucking Phantom Zone. (laughs) Guys, he's in Valhalla. He's a god. If Valhalla is a room full of ticking clocks. Yeah, no, yeah, you're probably right, actually. If Asgard was garbage, that's where you would be. <laughs> While all the Viking gods there celebrating in the halls of Valhalla, I'm in a fucking watch factory. <laughs> Instead of feasting, I'm making clocks. I mean, somebody's got to do it. Cue Danny Elfman. I know, Tyr, I know, Tyr, you defeated a great evil in Fenrir, but here, have this job. Even though you're like Thor's right-hand dude, fuck off. It's menial, but who cares? Here's the problem. You're not Thor. Bye. <laughs> so right after this, we get this, like, nightmare sequence. God, these are funny for some reason. I don't know why. Dude, I gotta tell you something. That first one got me. I literally, I was sitting, the cat was sleeping in my legs, and I was watching this, and I fucking, I jumped, and he, like, fucking freaked out and ran (laughs) Uh, because the monster like she gets up to go to the bathroom and she like opens in the medicine cabinet and the fucking arms shoot out there's no musical cue it's just big arms (laughs) no it's just fucking jump scare and it's like holy shit it scared the fuck out of me it got a legitimate jolt that looked a hell of a lot better than freddy krueger pulling in what's her face's mom at the end of nightmare on elm street the the end of nightmare on elm street is supposed to be surreal and wacky anyway yeah but this looked really good this was a cool effect yeah it was it was neat i like it. it it it's very much uh like house we were talking about um, on the last podcast. Oh, yeah, no, it, it, it kind of is, you're right. Like, Big Ben's in there, and he's gonna fucking grab your kid. Then she wakes up, close up in bed, and then, gotcha, double nightmare, Mar- Martin's in bed. I was really hoping that when she woke up a third time, like, it's, Sam's like, it's okay, it's just a nightmare. And then it cuts back to him, and he's Martin again. He's like, what was it? So Sam and Marla come back, and they and they talk to Fonducci, right? He's like, yeah, this is all Norse runes and shit all over the thing. He's like, ha, it's not Italian, huh? Because, like, earlier in the movie, Fonducci's like, well, what's to say the Italians didn't bring this fucking runestone over and put it into fucking Pennsylvania, huh? And he's like, nah, nah, it was the Vikings. He's like, well, you don't know that. And now we know. It wasn't the fucking Italians. You have this pairing, and I I guess this movie theater is also, like, kind of like this museum or some shit like i don't really get like the the layout of this place well it's like a it's like a it's like a place to store the art we find out later that it's like a place that hides the artifacts right right so i'm but in the beginning of the movie there's a fucking french movie theater but okay it's a front so you have marla is talking to jacob and Fanducci's talking to sam and Fanducci and sam have that conversation that you just explained about the uh 
you know, the rune stones and everything. Being Norse and the and the mythology behind it, yeah. Exactly. And Marla, in the meantime, is talking to Jacob. And that's where, I forget what they were talking about, but Sam translates something and realizes that Jacob means something else in Norse. Jackaman. And he was like Tyr's buddy in the fight against Fenrir, I guess? Or it's prophesized that, that Jackaman comes and fights with Tyr. He like fights Fenrir or what have you. He's like a helper or some shit. Right, right. He's he's the help of the help. He's his squire or something. Yeah, he's yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what it is. Axe boy. I'm here. My name's Jacob. Hi. Your name is Axe boy. Now be gone with you. Puts a fucking foot on his chest and pushes him off. Takes the fucking axe out of his hand. <laughs> so then Fanducci brings uh, Sam and Marla back to her place, and they just have like a shit ton of cops with them for protection at this point. What state are they in right now? Uh, New York. Okay, that makes more sense. I would say like the most disposable expendable, limitless police force I've ever seen in my life. Oh, it's fucking glorious. They they are they're an army. These two fucks in the in the squad car that are just like driving around uh Queens or wherever. Oh, this guy that's that that's having a debate with his partner whether they're bums or homeless. Yeah, he's like, ah, oh, the Upper West Side's got homeless. These motherfuckers are hobos, he calls them. <laughs> and he grabs his shotgun and gets out of his car. He's got a shotgun in one hand and a flashlight in the other, which isn't a good way to um, fire that weapon. Unless you want a broken shoulder. I mean, go ahead. Or it's just going to fly out of your hand or something. <laughs> fucking moron well these aren't the brightest cops no he goes into the alley and it's just like a dog and he's like oh what's up jacob not jacob he like calls the dog by a name he's like what's up there robert or whatever <laughs> robert the dog like, yeah, like, <laughs> like this dog has a name like what the fuck how do you know him dude no that's a that's a deep mrs science theater cut like there's some character like robert where are you and mike's like robert the dog <laughs> This, this one cop's, like, in the alley, and then we cut back to the squad car, and the other cop is, like, hanging outside the squad car, and we see a hat on the dashboard. His hat is on the dashboard, and you just see the hat get pulled out of view, right? I thought for sure Martin was just going to walk in there with his fucking hat on. I did not expect this next scene. <laughs> I did not expect this either, and this is what I was saying before. This fucking monster has a sense of humor. Okay, I'm okay. He did put the hat on then because this confused me at first. This guy, this cop gets back into his car and he calls for backup. He's like, he's like, oh, something, something's up, man. We, there are, something's wrong over here. And then something catches his attention in the back and he looks back and this fucking monster is sitting in the back of the squad's car with the fucking police hat on. This strange turn of events. Some pretty good dark humor. And he fucking kills this cop and then he and then he seemingly picks up a shotgun and goes into the alley and he's still wearing the fucking cop the 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 police officer hat and now he has a shotgun and he takes the butt of it and fucking beats this guy to death with it you're made of teeth and claws you haven't touched a weapon the whole movie why are we getting what are you getting bored i mean they did say he gets more powerful as days go on so maybe he's getting smarter also <laughs> He's getting more powerful, so he has to fucking dress up in cosplay. He's getting more deceitful is what he's doing. He's like, I'll put on the cop hat. That'll be really dickish. Look, I'm a cop. You're dead. Like, he's fucking with him. Is that you, Johnson? Nope, not Johnson. It's me. Officer Fenrir! Yeah, speaking of Officer Fenrir, he fucks up this whole police force. He's like maniac cop now. Totally is. And and then, like, they're on the top floor or whatever. I guess it's, like, one of the top floors where uh, Marla lives. And uh, 
they're like, ah, oh, these other cops are up there with them. And he's like, ah, oh, we called for backup. Great. Ah, oh, there's the elevator. There they are. And then there's just like four dead cops and the fucking monster in there. And they get killed immediately also. Yeah. And they like try to barricade Sam and, uh, Marla in Marla's and Sam's apartment. And it's like, that's the worst fucking place. They're like, they're like on the top floor penthouse. And this fucking monster is just tearing through these fucking cops like nobody's business. I mean, you got one or two heroes. I'll give him that. I mean, you got one guy who gets royally fucked up that pulls himself to up with his bootstraps and tries to go after the monster. Yeah. He's immediately killed. Oh, my God. I laugh my ass up. That blonde dude who gets up in the elevator picks up like... Doesn't he pick up a shotgun? He pumps yeah. it. He approaches the door and then is immediately backhanded into a wall. I kind of felt bad for that guy. He was actually trying to help. Instantly, he's like, it's my day. But then that other guy, there's another cop who gets pretty fucked up. He He's like, he's telling Sam and Marlo to get out of there. And he's just shooting the monster, and the monster grabs a fucking fire poker and just shoves it into him. And as this guy's getting lifted in the air, he does the sign of the cross. He's got the worst death in the whole film. Takes forever for him to die. Yeah, he's just impaled on this fucking thing for, like, what seems like five minutes. He has enough time to, in in agonizing pain, slowly do the sign of the cross. I thought that was pretty fucking creepy. I... I... That worked. It is creepy. It's kind of like in like like Hellraiser three is really stupid fun, and then you get to Pinhead standing there with with nails in his hands, going, "I am the way." You're like, "Oh, <laughs> all right, we're going full on blasphemy." And this is also when Fanduce, like basically the monsters breaking into the room, just about to get Marlon Sam. Like I think he backhands Sam into a wall, and then fucking Fanducci comes with the backup. He's got one guy with a shotgun, and Fanducci breaks out the fucking Uzi and just starts firing on this thing. They light this fucking monster up. I, apparently, Fenrir is a fucking android because they're shooting the shit out of him, and all of a sudden, he's impervious to bullets. Now, all of a sudden, he's, like, bleeding fucking milk. Yeah, he, he reacts to nothing, shows no visible wounds for the first half of this firefight, and then suddenly starts, like, backing up as if he were being stunned. And then is full on taking like squib damage. Yeah, he gets he gets like six thirty eight specials to the fucking chest in the beginning, and nothing happens. And now he's getting fucking lit up by like shotguns and Uzis and shit. Uh, and then he just again like he's just he starts he's like fucking Bishop from Aliens. And then he rips off the fucking uh, chicken wire around the fucking window and fucking hops out and fucking splits. Well, I think the problem is that the the movie just gets conflicting messages. Like I. I but but not really at the same time like characters say that this thing can't be hurt but you know i guess the implication there is that like yeah it can be hurt but you really got to like do a fucking a lot of damage to it it can be hurt but can't be killed yeah yeah i guess it's like spawn spawn's really fucking hard to kill but it's possible all you got to do is cut off your head well i'm just saying cuz if you think about it the rest of the movie everyone's been just shooting with pistols not that that's not going to fuck somebody up but the one time you get actually getting hit with the shotgun rounds and hit with this like nonstop uzi fire he's finally like okay i guess i'm out all right this is a, this is too much <laughs> it's like i'm more annoyed than hurt but fuck you guys yeah well i guess i guess that's what i'm saying because like in the uzi you have like nine millimeters right and he's like what 20 feet away and and the cop in the beginning is shooting 38 special rounds into his chest point blank if he takes visible physical damage like those shots in the beginning would have like just blown pieces out of him like purely from a physics perspective like he'd have giant assholes in him yeah but that's another thing too like he's bleeding like milk in this scene, and then, like, later he bleeds red when fucking Marla shoots him. 
We'll get to that, but I just wanted to note that. It's like two writers kept switching in and out going like, oh, yeah, well, I'm going to do this. Yeah, I'm not tr- I'm not trying to defend it too much. I just, I'm just trying to wrap my head around like maybe some kind of logic that would fit in this scenario. That's all I'm saying. No, totally. But at the same time, it's a dumb monster movie, so I don't care. Yeah. No, not at all. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so now we're now we uh, so the monsters fucking, you know, runs away and then they're back at the police station and Clockmaker shows up and he comes in with uh uh, Fanducci, and they go to the chief, and Fanducci's like, listen, guys, listen, chief, this guy is here to fight this monster. It's a fucking monster. And the chief's like, are you, what are you, fucking crazy? There's no such thing as monsters. What do you, what do you want, want me to fucking warm you up some wolf pain and get you some silver bullets? Get it? Because I was in that movie. Get you some garlic. Actually, that's for vampires. It's Yuva Bowl now. Yes. Yeah, it's for the vampire movie I'm making. <laughs> so the clockmaker does like a fucking Bela Lugosi on, uh, on the chief. And he's like, I need a few things from you. I need blood and then a hundred men or something. <laughs> and that's all I heard. Well, why does he need these hundred men? Just as like a, a barrier? I guess. He convinced the chief of police to give him 100 meat shields. All right. You got it. Here you go. That's why I said the most expendable, disposable police force I've ever seen in my life. Right? Someone is just like, yeah, throw 100 bodies at it. doesn't matter. And these people are SWAT. I'm counting on all of them to die. It's that or the NYPD has a cloning facility. Well, it's like fucking dead heat, man. We're making zombie cops. Well, they bring this whole SWAT team in, and they're all holed up at the at the art gallery where the runestone is. And meanwhile, while these cops start getting fucking picked off left and right, Marla and Sam need to have this heart-to-heart. The fucking movie stops, and he's just like, Listen, Marla... You know, I ha- I haven't been you know everything you wanted me to be, but I wish I was more like Martin. And she's like, I chose right, and you're the one for me. I love you. The way this is edited, like she says this, and immediately slam cuts to Clockmaker walking into a room. I thought he walked in on them. And I was really hoping he was like, you made the wrong choice. And he just turned around and left. I chose right. You did not. He is a very soft man. You should leave him tomorrow. I'm better than both Martin and Sam combined. Where's the monster? <laughs> this ending is bizarre. <laughs> this fucking takes forever. So so Sam and Marla, when they're having that discussion, they're like back by the runestone. And there's like an assault on the art studio or building or whatever the fuck you want to call it. Nakatomi Plaza. Yippee motherfucker. Clockmaker shows up and he's like, the monster's near. We have to go. Into a different room. Literally into the room out from the hallway. Then this fucking guy from the floor below, this monster's fucking all these cops up. And this guy from the floor below is like, hey, I'm from the floor below. It's coming. They're like, thank you, plot device. The fucking monster comes up. Goes, shows up in the opposite door. <laughs> yeah, fuck. No, but clockwork is there. And he's standing there and he sees fucking Fenrir. And Fenrir kills like fucking four dudes before he's like, everybody get out of here. And then they leave. He doesn't care. He asked for a hundred bodies. That's what he asked for. So, and he's getting his—he's getting exactly what he thought would happen. He's watching these poor fucks get mutilated. He's like, I didn't need a hundred people. This is just fun. You people from Earth are so puny. <laughs> Humans are so soft. Meanwhile, while this is all happening, Jacob basically has one more vision and runs to his grandfather, like at his bedside. And he whispers something in his ear. He's like, you must fulfill the prophecy. This fucking guy doesn't even, like, you don't even hear what he says. Like, he leans over, and Jacob's like, 
Oh, are you serious? That's 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 real? Okay, I'll do that. Bye, Grandpa. I'll suddenly believe everything you say, even though I've called you crazy your whole life. Uh, so he goes back to the movie theater, and there's like this big mural on the wall that shows the battle between Fenrir and Tyr. And uh, there's like an axe on the wall, and he like climbs up there on a ladder and like fucking breaks through the plaster with like a sledgehammer and there's an actual fucking axe that can defeat Fenrir like in the wall. Should have checked like the the spot with the sword too just to see if there's another one in there. He's like Excalibur! The fucking horse he's like whoa Pegasus was in there too! There can only be one. Pegasus is like thank god it's been fucking stuffy in here. I, I love the idea of something hiding in plain sight like that like something crucial to defeat like some ancient evil no yeah absolutely i mean it's definitely an improvement over rawhead rex where it's just in a basement it's in a box for christ's sake (laughs) it's in a box it's in a box in plain sight in an altar that no one bothered to look into yeah like this was premeditated and like put in this motherfucking thing and these people see that's what i'm saying like in this movie there's a lineage of people keeping that fucking creature at bay where the fuck are the people in ireland keeping that fucker at bay people in rawhead are like what is the box it'd make a fine it'd make for a fine altar Put a drape over it. Yeah, they didn't even give a shit. Like, somebody, somebody, like, forgot to tell somebody else before they died, and they're like, oh, shit. In fact, the one guy who works at that church, who could have been the, the, the sole defense between the public and Rawhead, is a turncoat. He is God! Kill me, I hope! (laughs) (laughs) So So then, uh, so then they're, like, walking, they're, like, they're, like, doing a fucking square dance. They dance fight. They just, like... The music picks up, and then, like, uh, Clockmaker just kind of, he does back circles. He just kind of steps backwards and kind of does these little rhythmic circles. And Fenrir just like, brah, do that whole scratch at the air thing that movie monsters do. They walk into this room, and Fenrir, like, blows the floor out, and they all fall down there. First, Tyr goes up and grabs a fire axe. Oh, yes. And just, like, fucking buries it in Fenrir's chest. Doesn't work, and he goes, was worth a try. I thought I'd give it a try. And Fenrir's like, and Fenrir fucking shakes his head no and pulls the fucking axe out. Uh, yeah. I told you, he's intelligent, man. He knows what's up. He knows this shit ain't gonna work. Hey, Martin's still in there, man. If you're our chosen hero, like, why are you taking time to make, like, yokes? Like, you knew this wouldn't fucking work and you're like, huh, wouldn't it be funny? Why doesn't Odinson have the axe that's in this goddamn movie theater? Why doesn't he have it in his clock shop in fucking Valhalla? Or not fucking Valhalla, Asgard. Valhalla's where you go when you die. You mean why didn't, like, an ancient Nordic uh, divine warrior have his weapon of choice on him at all times? I have no idea. I'm sure it's some bullshit. They might even have explained in the movie and I missed it, but I'm sure it's something like they need it from a human to give it to them and they need the Jacob Jacoby or whatever the fuck to give it to him. It must be handed off in a baton race. That's fucking bullshit because Mjolnir's not fucking turned into an umbrella in some old guy's closet so the clockmaker and and fenrir are like dance fighting and they never really touch each other they're kind of they, they have like their knees bent and they're kind of bent down they're just snapping their fingers kind of just going in a circle if you like didn't touch the the joystick for mortal Kombat, <laughs> it's very awkwardly put together because you have all these characters and they're not really doing anything. They're just kind of, they're all standing around and like walking around. You have Marla and Jacob are in the room with them, but they're kind of off in a corner, like trying just not to fall in this fucking hole. You have, uh... Oh, that's right, because we, we glossed over this. Like at some point after he buries the axe in him, like Fenrir all of a sudden is like Hulk smash and destroys the floor. But like beneath the floor is like a separate, like 
there's a fucking archway that leads to like a pocket dimension or some shit? Well, I, th- I think it's almost like a Gozer thing. Like, not to keep referencing Ghostbusters, but I think it's one of those things where it's like it doesn't actually exist there, but because he did it, it's like opening, like you just said, Connor, another dimension. They go in, they go right out. <laughs> Yeah, but it's this archway that's that was already there um, in the art gallery, and then he brings the runestone in. So then when Fenrir blows this fucking hole in the ground, everybody jumps on in. Yeah, everyone's so willing to just go like, I wonder what's going to happen. No, stay away from danger. What are you doing? I'm thinking it's a fucking pit to hell because there's a fucking red light coming out of it, and they all jump in, and then, like, again, it's like one of those awkward cuts where uh, everybody jumps in, and then, like, it just cuts... And it seems like they've been laying there for like ten minutes. Meanwhile, meanwhile, Fanducci and Sam are trying to break into the fucking room because they're the only ones that have like the actual weapon that can hurt this thing. Yeah, they're breaking in with the the axe, the the mystical axe. So they bust in, and um, instead of like jumping down onto Fenrir with the fucking axe, he like throws the axe down there, and then jumps down, and then throws it to fucking Clockmaker. What is that about? Why wouldn't you just, like, come down and, like, bring the fucking ham, like, bring the axe down right on his fucking head? Well, yeah, they should have done that, but I think Sam runs at him, and he just gets pushed away because he's a little weakling. And, like, the other thing is, like, as soon as Clockmaker gets a hold of the axe, like, he doesn't just go to town on this thing like he should. He, like, grabs it and, like, starts pot, like... The fucking Kirk Lizardman music should have been playing over this entire thing because it's paced like shit. It's definitely the, my biggest knock against this movie. Is there's a lot of things that happen that you just have to kind of infer why things are working or not working. Um, they just they needed to explain a little bit more for this movie to have a nice bow on it. But instead, he's just hit with this axe a few times. They walk and then they walk into this. Uh, side dimension and now this thing gets hurt by bullets like I- and then yeah and then they just leave yeah but there's like so the so this fucking archway that's already that had, again is already pre-established at this art gallery falls down there and then they like walk through it and then i guess it's some again it's like some kind of shitty portion of asgard <laughs> like it looks like a set from power rangers and i'm not talking the original japanese version i'm talking like power rangers no i'm talking about yeah the fucking haim seiban and he's like and where the fucking we're uh, the green with envy or whatever that fucking green ranger shit yeah exactly that's literally what i'm thinking of when i saw this where he fights fucking goldar yeah it looks bad which is probably why they didn't spend too much time there so then they're like fighting out there and then they like he like hits him with the axe and then he takes it out and then they walk back into fucking our reality for whatever reason like i said like they he clockmaker backs up into this archway they go into this little pocket dimension they circle each other Clockmaker takes the slowest overhand strike I've ever seen in my life. And Fenrir is like, all right, whatever. Just takes it. Um, they circle around again, and Clockmaker f- backs out of the same fucking archway, and that's that. Why? Why even fucking go in there? Again, we're standing around awkwardly and all these awkward cuts back and forth, and then he takes another swing at him, and Fenrir fucking just fucking pimp slaps him across the fucking thing. Just, just, just knocks him down. Like, what? What? How did that happen? And then he runs right over to Marla, and he's or Sam rather. He's gonna kill Sam. And Marla picks up the fuck a fucking revolver out of nowhere and points at it. She's like, Martin, I know you're in there and that you're all alone. And he's fucking hold. She's holding the fucking uh, gun up at him, and she just starts and she shoots him one time, like in the chest. And uh, he starts bleeding red, and it like distracts him long enough, like it hurt him. Long enough for uh, Clockmaker to pick up the axe again, and he fucking hits this motherfucker in the face with it, and then, like, 
hits him in the chest and starts like cutting through him and like pushes his hand and the well that's right because jacob jacob comes up behind him and like clockmaker sees him and kind of gives him the nod so then he takes the axe and <laughs> rams it through fenrir's chest and passes it off to jacob who could have just like I mean, he could have just fucking killed the thing but instead he takes all the time in the world to come up with like the worst like victories quip i've ever heard in my life he was like, hey, monster, we have a saying here in Manhattan. Death comes when you're making other plans. And then just, like, smacks him with the axe and Fenrir dies. It kind of took the air out of the room. Because yeah. <laughs> I was super into it up to that point. Like, I had stopped taking notes because I was so fucking enamored by this film. And, and then that happened, and I was like, uh. And also, why aren't we decapitating this monster? Why are we not? Yeah, good question. I thought for sure that, like, he was going to, all right. Fine, you got your quip, your quippy bullshit or whatever. But then he swings it, and then I was like, this fucking monster's head is coming off. And we cut, and he's just like, oh, you cut me somewhere, but we don't know where. Uh, and then it dies. Yeah, it turns back into Martin. I don't remember I don't remember how this movie ends, to be honest. That's pretty much it. They're cleaning up the, the scene. You know, the cops are dragging out the body. Um, and then, for some reason, Fanducci just, like, rips a piece of the fucking runestone off and pockets it. I guess he's going to try to make a buck off of that. Yeah, but the clockmaker just, like, walks through the other realm and he's just gone. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. He walks through the doorway, but then he's back in his fucking clock shop. And I'm like, okay, so where are we exactly? Are we in the alternate dimension or are we in, like, a clock shop in Norway or some shit? The clock shop in Norway is a different dimension. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah, it's definitely just used as, like, uh... What's the word I'm looking for? Just like as a, uh... it's a rest stop. <laughs> Next stop, Asgard. Nope. It's like a rep. It's like a representation, I guess, of like his dimension because he's got to watch when this thing's gonna come back. I, I don't know. He's got a fucking a sandwich vending machine next to the door, like a truck stop. It's the fucking souvenir shop on the way to Asgard. <laughs> it's a, it's the Stuckies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you want to buy a clock? And you get a timepiece, and you get a timepiece, <laughs> and you get some strawberry pez. There you go. <laughs> It's like coming across a cracker barrel on your way to cross, like, down south. <laughs> let's, let's stop at the souvenir shop before we go eat fried food. I need a pop gun, Mom. They don't sell that kind of shit here. We're going to Valhalla. So then right after that, we cut back to the art studio, like, in ruins. And uh, everybody's like, ah, what are we doing? Like Sean said, uh, 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 Fanducci, like cuts a piece of the he like knocks a piece of the room stuff off with the butt of his gun and pockets it for whatever reason like a souvenir or some shit and then they're like ah everything's fucked up so what do we do now and Fanducci just goes what do we do with this fucking rock and then it just cut to credits like that's it well we know what Sam and Marl are gonna do they're gonna go fuck for the third or fourth time in this movie they're gonna go fuck because it's been 45 minutes since the last time I mean good for them they're a husband and wife or something <laughs> Yeah, that that's the end of the movie. I wish that uh, Fanducci, like, had his own, like, series of movies. Like, this was one of them where, like... The fucking Fanducci files? Like... Yes, exactly. Like, they do the same thing in the Relic books. Like, uh, D'Augusta's, like, on the case in the Relic, and he, like, fights the... He fights uh, the Mub One and all that shit. But then, like, he's in other books in the series, like, in the... Uh, the Preston Child series that, like, don't have anything to do with the Relic. So I thought that was kind of funny. Like, we should see... <laughs> I would love a Fanducci, like, movie series where he's just, like, fighting, like, ancient monsters. Just progressively sick of fighting supernatural shit. He's like fucking Kolchak the Night Stalker. 
but with a with a mouth on him. Um, I thought this movie was was pretty okay. It was awesome. <laughs> I really like this movie a lot. And it's it's it reminds me again of some some garbage I'd like wake up super early and put on like TBS or Sci Fi Channel as a kid, and they'd be like, "Here's fucking creature from the." Place, have fun. Oh yeah, this is fucking. This is three p.m. USA uh, movie of the day. This is a movie that, like, you know, we said last time, like, you know, uh, big bullies in the dumpster. But it, it, it's just it's in there because it's unoffensive, and we got to put it somewhere. This movie's in the dumpster because that's what the show is. But I think it's like right up there at the top with at least for me, Rumpelstiltskin and Rawhead Rex. Just as it's an entertaining film, someone put it in the dumpster. And you're just disgusted by the fact that it's in there. You're like, what the fuck is wrong with this person? Who put this in here? Well, here's the thing. As of 2011, this movie has not been officially released on DVD. So this movie, as of then, is basically lost to time. And that's that's where I get to my bit on how... See, I've kind of figured out how we all pick movies. <laughs> so Sean, I think, is like this dude who like is a, is a, a long-lost lore master of 1990s trash. Um, I, for some reason, am a collector and lover of post-millennium Hollywood trash, and Joe picks movies by, after we have a conversation, he stands from his computer and goes, Jules, I'm going to the vault! And he pulls this candelabra on his wall and his fireplace opens, and then he runs down this stone set of spiral stairs and he flings his fucking bathrobe like the queen from Snow White, and then he walks into this big, giant, dark-ass room with huge shelves and a wooden ladder that has wheels. And he climbs a few rungs, and he gives the ladder a good old push. And then wherever his eyesight falls on first, that's what he picks. And that is exactly where <laughs> I put this movie in the dumpster. Not even in the dumpster. It is in my vault of wonders. Yeah, the only thing you're missing from that vault is Gomez Adams with a cigar. My big glass of cognac. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So that that's where that's for me. That's that's where this movie is for me. It's not in the dumpster. It's lovingly placed on some vault in the basement. Can we can, can we make the decision now that maybe some movies just don't belong in the dumpster? Is that something that we're okay with saying? I I think so. But it's it's there's there's I think when we say like in the dumpster, we're implying like yeah, this is fucking garbage and it just should be buried. But something like this is completely inoffensive and it's fine. And if I like I said, if I found this on TV and I wasn't doing anything, I'd probably just fucking watch the whole thing. Even in the description of this show, you know, we're we're here for the for the good, the bad, and the god awful. And this is definitely one of the good. <laughs> so sometimes the movie doesn't even make it into the dumpster. I think I'm okay with that. Yeah, I'm totally okay with that. I'm okay with it after House of the Dead. Good fucking God. I haven't even listened to that episode yet because I'm like, I, I know we weren't having fun. I, I, I mean, Connor, you need you need to remember it was House of the Dead. It was Dungeons and Dragons. It was the fucking Hug-A-Bunch. <laughs> it was a bad string. But Hug-A-Bunch was actually entertaining. You tell yourself that, Joe. Enjoy. <laughs> I like it. I get the appeal. It's not for me. House of the Dead was grueling. Like, I didn't enjoy watching that at all. Um, I was very angry. After watching that movie. <laughs> In case you didn't pick up on it. I could tell when we started the episode, like, the joy has left his body. No, as soon as this got rolling, I was like, I love this. And this this reminds me of, uh, like I said, old fucking, maybe even, like, late at night. I think, what did they have? That fucking, um... Up all night, baby. Yeah, TNT used to have, like, a programming block where they would just show, like, just fucking, like, 1980s or 70s, um... Like, Monster Vision. Yes! 
That's where I saw Conan uncut for the first time. There was Joe Bob Briggs with Monster Vision on TNT for a while. Remember when it came on? Remember the fucking, the, the, when, like, the TNT, like, turned black and white and there was, like, lightning bolts on it and shit? Like, the logo? Yes. Oh, man. I wish they still had that. I would feel like I would see this on that kind of programming block. And that kind of gives it an endearing charm. It's the good, bad movie. Besides, if you don't like your basic run-of-the-mill monster movie, I think there's just something wrong with you because there's so many of them to... There's so much about them to like. This one does a really good job of mixing its lore with its action and its monster, and the acting is on point. Again, you know, we have William Hickey and the and all, all of this uh, great B-movie talent. And we've been talking about how much they leaned into Norse mythology. I don't think most people put that much thought into their monster ever. No, see, that's the thing, like... Again, like I was saying at the beginning of the episode, like people think these movies are so shitty, and it's like this movie has more heart than some of the quote unquote better A list films. Uh, it just everything feels earnest, you know what I mean? Like they said they were making this movie, and they were like, "We're we're gonna make this movie awesome, or we're gonna try to do, we're gonna try to make this movie awesome with what we have." You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. That's why I said at the beginning, there's a difference between making a bad movie with all kinds of good intentions and sincerity and making a bad movie with the sole intention of making a bad movie and then it becomes it, it comes off as lifeless and uh, transparent. It just doesn't work and it's fucking straight garbage that shouldn't even be watched at all. So that's it. That's The Runestone from 1991 directed by Willard Carroll. If you want some more bad movie goodness, you can check us out at moviedumpsterpodcast.com. Follow us at moviedumpster on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also check out our sister podcast, The Phantom Zone, hosted by our very own Connor McGraw. You can find them at phantomzonepodcast.wordpress.com. I'm Joel Escola. I'm Sean Rourke. And I'm Connor McGraw. Thanks for visiting the dumpster. Hey, lady, we just scraped two men off the fucking tiles out there. My men are playing mix and match with body parts. They can't even find one of the janitor's arms yet. As near as I can tell, your friend was the last person to see him alive. Well, if you ask me, there is no motive. Well, I didn't fucking ask you. Do you think you could just say one sentence without the word fuck in it, Mr. Penducci? Just one. I can try. Thank you. You're right. Oh, I'm sorry. Would either of you care for a Pez? No. Greatest fucking candy in the world.